0: Thank you Tim. Good morning. I'm nervous. <laughs> I've got to hang on to this you see. Uh, thank you Lee for your uh, generous introduction and thank you for allowing me to stand in this privileged position. It really is a privilege to be able to share God's word with God's people. Thank you. I appreciate the welcome that we've had and the lovely time that you gave us on the, the parish weekend. Um, the road to Emmaus is a very familiar story. Last week, Lee had the, word, the letter P. I think there were three points, weren't there? Well, we're going to have R this week, and there's four. It's not the three R's, it's the four R's, okay? And one of them is not resurrection, surprisingly enough. But there are other things that we can learn from this Lovely story of the road to Emmaus. Much loved, much preached on. And the first of my uh, R's is resignation. But I want to start with D. Are you confused? (laughs) Well, most depressing words in the English language, most of them start with D. What I call the Eeyore words. Things like disappointment, doubt, disillusionment, defeat, discouragement, despondency, depression, despair, and death. (laughs) Feeling happy? (laughs) See why I call them Eeyore words. Uh, Woody Allen once said, I think he was trying to be funny. Our civilization stands at the crossroads. Down one road is despondency and despair. Down the other road is total annihilation. I hope we take the right road. Well, perhaps it's not quite so funny in the day and age in which we live, because that's what it feels like a bit, doesn't it, at the moment? What does the future hold? Well, sometimes we retreat into the status quo. Because that's easiest, isn't it? That's safest. That we resign ourselves to things as they are. Because we can't make much difference. We can't change anything. And when we look at the Sunday papers, or look at the news... Those D words are there, aren't they? Despondency, despair, and death, and all the others. And it's frightening. I don't know about you, but I'm frightened about the future at one level. And it is easier to say, well, I will just lock myself in my world, where I'm in control, where I am safe, where nothing can touch me. And I won't burst into song in the words of Paul Simon. Um, I am a rock. I am an island. And we sometimes do that, don't we? That we go and we say, well, I'm resigned to things as they are. And I will just make the most of it. And that's what we have with these two on the road to a mess. They are going home. In one of the other gospels, Peter says, "Well, that's it. It's over. Let's go back to fishing. We know what we're doing. We're safe. We'll go fishing." These two were going back to their home in Mayes. It was all right while it lasted, but it didn't last. It's over. Let's just get on with life. Do you feel like that sometimes? The easiest way is just to be resigned to things as they are, because that's safe. There's no hassle. Nobody's going to challenge us. We don't have to go outside our comfort zone. We're safe. And they had this word, we had hoped. We had hoped that Jesus was going to be the Messiah that came with armies to defeat the Romans and set Israel free for the first time since King Solomon. They'd have to wait a lot longer. It wasn't until 1948 that Israel became free. In that sense, we had hoped. But it hasn't gone to plan, has it? I mean, we've got this... uh, They tell me there's a general election coming up. And there's going to be lots of people going to be saying, we had hoped. But you, what are your hopes? What are your aspirations? And perhaps your hopes have been disappointed? It's marvelous, isn't it, that we look at the ahead and we plan our lives. And so often we leave God out of that plan. And we think this is how it's going to be, and it seldom is. And we are disappointed. We can be disappointed in our work. We can be disappointed in our achievements. We can be disappointed in our relationships. And sadly, there are many fathers who are disappointed in their children and their children suffer as a result of that, where expectations are put on children that are not realistic. We had hoped What is your hope? Perhaps your hopes are yet to be fulfilled. Perhaps that plan that you have is bright and fresh in your mind. But perhaps you have become resigned. And the hopes that you once had have just faded. And the fire has gone out. And you are resigned to things as they are. Resignation. Second, revelation. It's going to be easy to remember. I'll test you later. It's all right. Revelation. Isn't it a lovely picture, this? Jesus (coughs) comes and joins them on the road, heads down, despondent. Last week, Lee referred to the losers of the boat race who hadn't got the strength to pull a oar, let alone pull the boat out of the water. The winners... Vigorously uh, shaking champagne bottles. Plenty of energy, could do it again. What's the difference? These two on the road to Emmaus, they're Cambridge. It was Cambridge that lost, wasn't it? I think so, this time. Well, last several times, I think. Their heads were down. They just wanted to get home and get to bed. You know, like the end of a holiday. You've had a lousy flight back from somewhere in the middle of the night. You you can't find the car in the car park. The kids are screaming. The luggage has got lost. All you want to do is get home, get to sleep, and get on with life. And that's what they wanted. And then Jesus joins them. He's there. And he talks to them. He initiates the conversation. And that's a clue for us when we go out there, as Lee was just saying, when we're out, that our job as Christians is to initiate that conversation. So when somebody is saying, well, you know, hey, what's wrong? You're looking a bit down. You might not know the person very well. Is everything all right? And I, the common phrase, which, you know, I'm a bit of a grumpy old man, I admit it, but when I go into a shop and the shop assistant says, you're all right as they all do now, I said, well, no, I'm not actually. Do you really want to know? I'm not feeling very well. And when you go into the chemist to collect your drugs, and the chemist says, are you all right? You think, well, I wouldn't be here if I was all right, would I? And so Jesus says, are you all right? What's wrong? And that's an opportunity for us, too, to open a conversation, to talk to people, to come alongside people. Jesus became their companion. And the companion is made up of two words, con, with, and pan, bread. Somebody who you share bread with. And so Jesus says, well, let me explain to you. Puts me in mind of Philip and the Ethiopian. You remember that story in Acts where the Ethiopian has been on a on city break to Jerusalem and bought a newspaper at the chariot station, and he's reading it on the way home. Philip comes alongside and says, "Do you understand what you're reading?" And he says, "Not really, no. Let me explain it to you." And you know, if you talk to people about the Bible, they are genuinely interested to know what is in it and what it's about. And so Jesus does exactly the same. They knew the Bible. But they didn't understand it. The penny hadn't dropped. There had been no revelation of who God is and who Christ is. And so Jesus takes them through the stories. We don't know what story. We know he starts with Moses. The story of taking God's people from slavery to freedom, from darkness to light, to the promised land. And he goes through the stories. Perhaps before that he told the story of Abraham willing to sacrifice his own son. And Perhaps he pointed to the fact that he, in fact, was the fulfillment of that story. And so he went on through. Perhaps he talked about the suffering servant, that he was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Their understanding was clouded by their idea that the Messiah was going to be a physical battle leader. That was their vision. And so many people have a tunnel vision of who God is. They read the Bible, they know the stories, but have no understanding of the person. And perhaps when disillusionment, depression or defeat dominate our lives we need to know that Jesus walks with us I mean I don't want to roll out the old cliche and read out footprints to you I'm sure you all know it, and you've had it given to you 5,000 times on the back of an envelope or a card but it's true isn't it Jesus walks with us he points to God's word of promise in the Bible and tells us that we are God's dearly beloved children each of us is special and precious and there isn't anyone that doesn't matter we are all loved by God and in that word in walking with him he can turn our despair and our disillusionment into hope and then we come to the third one recognition <laughs> recognition could be a tricky thing I was talking at the, uh, the 9 o'clock service that one of the, um, the things about retired, you find yourself watching things like Pointless. <laughs> and if I can stay awake long enough, I usually see it through. But generally, I go to sleep sometime during Pointless for a few minutes. You, you know, yes, I am that old. <laughs> and, uh, but Pointless Celebrities... They wheel on these people, and then they slap a name on them, don't they? Like Fred, or Tom, or Dick, or Harry. And I haven't got a clue who they are. And you get on the internet to try and find out, and you find that, you know, they presented um, Holmes Under the Hammer for a fortnight back in 1968. <laughs> and you know, really, when they're on Pointless Celebrity, their career is really over, isn't it? <laughs> You know, they're scraping the barrel. And some of them are so appallingly ignorant, aren't they? But there we are, Um, recognizing people difficult. Now, I'm going to share a story that's embarrassment to me. That some years ago, Wendy and I sat at the back, knowing what's going to come next. (laughs) I haven't warned her. we were on holiday in Tenerife. And it was lovely. Nice pool, sunbeds, nice rows of sunbeds so I get rather hot I get up from my sunbed I go for a swim up and down the pool I get out I didn't have my glasses on I'm a little bit short sighted so I get up walk onto the sunbed pick up the towel dry myself off sit down and I hear this voice from two rows back saying Peter what are you doing? <laughs> and I look around and the girl on the sunbed next to me wearing a black bikini with dark hair wasn't Wendy Boy, was I in trouble. <laughs> I spend the rest of the holidays avoiding your husband. <sighs> and, uh, and, and Lee will appreciate this, that, you know, you meet people and they greet you like a long-lost brother. And you're like, who are they? Where do I know them from? And many of the time, Wendy and I have been in town and somebody's come up and they've talked to us and, you know, talk as if we know them for ages. And afterwards... When you say, who was that? And I said I don't know, I have got a clue. <laughs> and I'm sure you've had that experience. Lack of recognition. But these disciples asked the stranger to stop the night with them for the evening. He was literally their companion with bread. And he broke the bread, as we're going to do in a moment. And in that breaking of bread, they were transported back a few days to the Last Supper and they recognized Jesus and they knew that it was him and they said to each other after he'd gone (coughs) weren't our hearts on fire as we walked with him and he talked with us on the road there was something different why didn't we recognize him there was something different our hearts were on fire do you suffer from heartburn? we should do, shouldn't we? our hearts should be on fire John Wesley wrote um, he said um, that evening he um, he describes that evening he reluctantly attended a meeting in Aldersgate's someone read from Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans at about 8.45 while he was describing the change which God worked in the heart through faith in Christ I felt my heart strangely warmed I felt I did trust in Christ Christ alone for salvation an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins even mine and saved me from the law of sin and death. At that moment, the stranger reveals who he was. He vanishes from their sight. He's not gone. He's still visible to those who have the eyes of faith. So that's three R's. The fourth and last is revival, or you can have rejoicing, or you can have renewal, or that you take your pick. It's a symbol of the Christian life, isn't it? The road to a it often be described as that. It's a story about ordinary despair and ordinary Monday morning drudgery. It's a story about meeting a stranger, hearing words of comfort, sitting down at a table and sharing a meal. Isn't it interesting, though, that Jesus uses sharing a meal so often to come alongside people. Hospitality is key to sharing the gospel in the New Testament. It was Jesus's key and it was the apostles' key. And we ought to take a leaf of that out of that book. Inviting one another into each other's homes to share meals together. Inviting strangers in to share meals together. And neighbors. And work colleagues. And people who we socialize with. So often we retreat into the neutral ground of the church hall. Where it's safe. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't say, let's have a shared meal in the synagogue. I know you're going to have a shared meal in a minute. He invited himself into the homes of the tax collectors and sinners and sat and ate with them and came alongside them and shared their meals together. And Jesus shared this meal with his friends as he walked along the road and they recognized the risen Lord and it changed everything Lee was talking about that last week the change that Easter Day has brought and we need to know that we have had a personal experience of the risen Lord it's not enough to know the scriptures it's not enough to walk the walk It's meeting with the risen Lord. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Tom Wright wrote in Surprised by Hope, Left to ourselves, we lapse into a kind of collusion with entropy, acquiescing in the general belief that things may be getting worse, but there's nothing much we can do about them. And we're wrong. Our task is in the present And it is to live as resurrection people in between Easter and the final day with our Christian life, corporate and individual, in both worship and mission, as a sign of the first and a foretaste of the second. And they hurried back, and they came to the room where the disciples were, and Jesus came among them and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And their lives changed. They had that personal encounter with the risen Lord, which we can have today, which we can have now. Someone wrote their lives prior to this moment were like a smoldering fire, that gives no light, just smoke to cloud things up. But once they came into the presence of the risen Lord, their hearts were ablaze. A burning fire gives light for all to see, and they saw. They understood and believed, all because of the risen Lord. Jesus' victory became their restoring hope. It became the anchor of their lives. So I'd invite you now to stand. Christine. (laughs) And as we walk along life's path with the risen Lord, he comes alongside us. And Lord, now we would ask you to lead us To walk with us. To lead us from resignation to the things as they are. To rekindle our hope. To rekindle our joy where it's been quenched. To breathe fire into our lives. And Lord, we ask that you reveal yourself to us now through your word in our worship and in the breaking of bread and help us now to recognize you as our Lord and Savior open our eyes Lord we want to see Jesus to reach out and touch him Tell him I love him. Come alongside us, Lord. Let us see your face. And Lord, we ask that you will revive us. You will renew us. You will restore us. Breathe on us now with your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, now. Fill your church. Fill our hearts. Bring us your fire of love. And spur us into action. As we've just seen one glimpse of you, and we will be changed. Come now. Amen.